It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app is all presented by the New York Lottery. John Schmelk and Lance Meadow with you, 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. Giants with a really bad loss to the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday, uh, trailing pretty much from post to post, losing the game 36-9, to and Lance, just uh, a poor performance any way you cut it. Uh, we could sit here, we like to sit here on Mondays and break down every minutia of the game and numbers and stats, but the bottom line is that in pretty much every facet of the game, uh, the Giants got outplayed in this contest, and they just didn't play good football, and they got outgamed by almost 200 yards, they lost the turnover battle three or four to nothing, depending how you want to count the turnover on downs. And they just did play poor football. It was their worst game of the year, and the score demonstrated that. Yeah, they were completely out-hustled and out-manned in every phase of the game. There's no better way to describe it. I think if you're going to look at all three facets, offense, you had the inability to run the football again. In fairness, they pretty much abandoned the run in the second half because it was such a lopsided game. But still, there's the third straight game where you haven't had a balanced offense. It's been one-dimensional where it's Daniel Jones has to make plays and they have to get the explosive plays through the air. Now, there were only three plays of 20 or more yards and two of which came on the very last drive of of the game. So that tells you an awful lot of the Giants' inability to solve the Niners' defense and, you know, really get things to space out a little bit to open up the run game. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball, John, and after you saw an impressive performance in the second half against the Bears, and Logan Ryan spoke this week and said, well, what does he want to see out of this unit? He says, I want to see us pick up where we left off in the second half when we were deflecting passes. We were aggressive in terms of being opportunistic. Okay, well, no turn turnovers at all in the complete game. No takeaways, if you want to word it that way. The inability to once again get off the field on third down, John, has been an absolute killer. The Niners were 8 of 12 on third down. The Giants' opponents are converting 58% of the time on the season in just three games. That has to end. They did decently against the run because the numbers show that statistically, but let's not fool ourselves. Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson were able to get out in open space as receivers, not necessarily runners. So I don't know how much stock or substance you put into that. And then the third thing is on special teams, they weren't really able to help out the offense or the defense in terms of the return game. The Niners did a great job in coverage. And then here's another example where penalties, I thought, John, were an absolute killer. Now, this wasn't the biggest penalty, but the Niners had issues in terms of the snap, setting up the extra points, and then Lorenzo Carter gets the face mask call. So now you give the Niners a redo, and then they're able to cash in the extra points. So right there, all three facets, I can easily point to one or two things on each side of the ball. Yeah, no question about it. And the bottom line is this, Lance, and this is kind of what we talked about all offseason, when the opponent needs to throw the ball to make a play, and the Giants know it, they can't get a stop when they need it. And we've seen that repeat itself on third down throughout the year. Uh, once again, on third downs in this game, the San Francisco 49ers finished the game an obscene 8-for-12. And it continues a pattern we've seen throughout this season from giant opponents having a lot of success on third down. So when teams have to throw it, they can. And I think the Giants did do a good job against the run on first and second down. The Niners only averaged in this game 2.7 yards per carry. So that's good defense, but... 
that doesn't matter if you're going to give up the third down every time. Of course. It just doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> if they're in third and seven, they convert. Instead of third yeah. and three and convert, it doesn't make a difference. Nobody cares. So they have not been able to stop the pass. And what we saw in the second half, Lance, is that the 49ers in the first half, they still tried to stay committed to that run, especially on first down or early downs. In the second half to come out, they said, you know what? Why are we trying to run the ball here? I'm just going to throw it on first down. Why am I wasting my time trying to run the ball here? The Giants are doing a good job against it. And I thought the Giants' defensive line up front was, was, was good against the run, and Blake Martinez was good against the run. So why am I wasting my time running the ball on first down? They started doing those little slants off of play action and all that stuff. They used all that you know pre-snap motion we saw from the Niners, a lot of play action pass, all those sorts of things that we talked about going into this game. And the Giants' defense was, was not able to handle it well enough. And... You know, if the Giants want to start winning football games, they're just going to have to play better. Their defense has to get off the field. Uh, they're going to have to do better against the pass. Their defensive backs, not named James Bradbury, are going to have to start making some plays. And they're going to have to start generating more consistent pressure on the quarterback. These are all the issues we talked about during the offseason. Every single one of them. None of this has come as a surprise, and they all kind of came home to roost against the 49ers in this game. Yeah, I don't think any of this stuff is a stunning development. Also, when you look at the Niners' continuity versus the Giants' lack thereof, not to say that that's a valid excuse as to why the game was so lopsided, but you know what rubbed me the wrong way, at least throughout the course of the week, a lot of people were emphasizing the fantasy football aspect. Well, the Niners lost names, but the Niners didn't lose continuity. A lot of the guys that were stepping in had been on the roster, had been with the team for the last few years, may have been on the practice squad, got opportunities in 2019. Remember, this was a Niners team. John that lost and played a number of games last season without their left tackle and their right tackle. Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey were hurt for a good portion of last season. They lost Kyle Juszczyk. George Kittle missed games last season. They combined to miss about 150 players worth of games last year, and they still managed to have the best record in the NFC. That speaks of good coaching good depth, and putting players in the right position. So that has to at least be noted. It's not an excuse. That's just the reality and the facts. But I want to piggyback off of a few points you just mentioned. To me, this is the biggest disparity in yesterday's game from a statistical standpoint. The Niners, you want to talk about efficiency. San Francisco had eight possessions. The Niners scored on seven of those eight possessions, four touchdowns, three field goals. Their only mishap was a missed field goal. And they scored a touchdown on each of their three second-half possessions. They went four for four on third down on those three possessions. The four third downs in the second half were third and two, two third and eights, and a third and one. So there was an example of it didn't make a difference in terms of down and distance, as you pointed out, John. The Giants had struggles no matter how you look at it. This game, I would argue, turned on a third down. Because let's go to the part of the game where it's a 6-6 contest and the Niners are faced with a third and 22 and Darnay Holmes is called for an illegal contact. Which is the right call, by the way. 100% the right call. But the bottom line is the Giants are not in a position, John, because of the injuries, because of obviously the concerns on all sides of the ball that they can afford to give a gift like that to a Niners team and say, all right, don't worry about it. We'll give you a fresh set of downs at your own 49. We're confident enough. We're going to make enough stops, and it's not going to come back to bite us because from third and 22 at the San Francisco 44, it goes to first and 10 at the San Francisco 49, and then they continue the drive. They ultimately score with a Jarek McKinnon 10-yard run. It's a 13-6 game. Then Daniel Jones is picked off. The Niners tack on another field goal, and this is, by the way, in the last minute of 
the first half, which, John, has also been a killer. The Steelers and the Bears, remember, scored touchdowns very late in the first half. The Niners continued that trend, and this is where games are starting to turn because now the Giants have to play catch-up, and let's face it, this team is not built to play from behind, as we've seen over the first three games, regardless of the opposition. Well, Lance, it goes back to the point I made earlier. One, that the 49ers, to your point, are very well coached, and they're schemed up well. And what we've seen in past weeks, to your other point, is that when teams have to throw the ball, and the Giants know they have to throw the ball, which is what happens in these two-minute drill situations at the end of halves, right? The Giants are not able to get the stops when they need. And at the same time, we've seen turnovers at the end of halves hurt the Giants. And I guess we should turn our attention now to the Giants' offense, which just couldn't get anything going all game. The running backs in this game for the Giants, Lance, combined 10 carries for 17 yards. Daniel Jones had 5 for 49, three of which came on design read option plays. Well designed, by the way. Teams have been kind of crashing that weak side on the Giants' run game. That's they had a lot of negative runs the first couple of weeks, so you make an adjustment, you make teams pay for it. Now teams have to respect the read option. That's great, but you have to do better in, in your traditional running game. And it got to the point where the Giants just couldn't run the ball successfully on early downs. They decided, okay, well, we're going to have to throw the ball. The problem is that their passing game wasn't very efficient. Daniel Jones was just 17 to 32, 179 yards a pick. I thought his accuracy was a little bit off in the game. His interception was a pass thrown behind Devin Ingram. I'm not sure it could have been completed anyway, but it could have been a much more difficult play for Fred Warner on the nice play that he made cut in front of Ingram. Uh, I thought Jones could have led him further to the outside shoulder. He didn't. Uh, He missed Ingram on a deep out later in the game. I think it was C.J. Board, right? He missed on a deep pass down the right sideline that he underthrew. It was just just a a rough game for Jones. He only had 56 quarterback rating in the game. You mentioned only two passes over 20-plus yards completed with the ball was in the air for 20 yards, and those were on that last drive when the Niners were playing their prevent defense. And just nothing was clicking for the Giants' offense. They, They couldn't run it, Lance. They couldn't pass it consistently. And the one trend that I saw continue from the first couple of weeks, and we're going to have teams now just copy this, and they're going to copy it and copy it and copy it, where the twists and stunts and blitzes, where you're moving defenders around, the offensive line was having a lot of trouble figuring out, you know, which guy is supposed to block what guy and give Jones back there on those blitzes time to get rid of the ball. We saw pressure on a lot of those plays throughout the game. I don't remember when this happened in the game, John, but I do recall, I believe it was DJ Jones. He had a free pass to Daniel Jones. Jones fortunately got rid of the football. If Jones holds on to the ball a little bit longer, he's going to be crushed on the ground, and that's going to be a sack and potentially a turnover. So there were a lot of close plays, as you just alluded to, where the Niners got a lot of pressure in his face and forced him to be uncomfortable. So certainly credit goes to the San Francisco defense. There's no doubt about it. But as you hit on, there were also mishaps and missed opportunities. This to me is the most mind-boggling statistic, John, from the Giants offense. They had eight possessions in the game. Four of those possessions ended with turnovers because I'm including the turnover on downs as a turnover. That's fair. Especially, John, they took over at the 30-yard line, the Niners. That's a gift. So that to me is a turnover that cost the Giants big. I'm not saying that the Giants were wrong for being aggressive and trying to go for it, okay? That I don't have a problem with, but then the price you pay is great field possession to a team that had no trouble moving the football, and it came back to bite them. So eight possessions, 
three field goals and a punt, but then two fumbles and interception and a turnover on downs. And the turnover started early. John, this is the second straight game that the Giants turned the ball over via fumble on the very first possession. Remember, last week it was Robert Quinn on a strip sack. Daniel Jones lost the football. This week it was Jones trying to get a pitch to Evan Ingram. And listen, we could play the blame game all you want. I would argue the ball was a little bit behind Evan Engram. I would also argue he got two hands on the ball and unfortunately couldn't haul it in. So once again, you want to play the blame game? You could do that. I really don't think at the end of the day it does any good. The bottom line is it was a turnover. And the Giants were fortunate, actually, if you want to look at it from this perspective. The Niners actually only scored six points off of the two legitimate turnovers early in the game, which was the interception and the fumble. The turnover on downs, I understand, led to a touchdown, but they only scored six points off of the three takeaways. So that didn't statistically maybe really hurt them, but when everything else goes wrong, we're really delving deeply into things that, in the big picture of things, don't really make a difference. Well, and they're also lost possessions where you can't score Of course, score and yourself. that's the most important. Yeah, Absolutely. lost at bats. Yeah, yeah and, and to your point, Lance, it was even close at halftime. It was 13-6, but then the Niners, to your point, went out there and had three touchdowns on their first three second-half possessions, and, and that was pretty much the end of it, and the Giants just couldn't muster an offense over the course of the game, and you can't continue to turn the ball over like they did in this game and expect to win. The Giants are now the third worst team in the NFL, lo and behold, in turnover differential. What I talk about last year. <laughs> they're, they're at minus four, and... The only teams worse than them are the Eagles at minus seven. What's their record? Oh, oh, two and one. And the Vikings at minus five. What's their record? Oh, they're zero oh and three. <laughs> no coincidence. No, John. no coincidence. And by the way, Houston minus four tied with the Giants. What's their record? They're zero oh and three. The Dallas Cowboys minus four. What's their record? They're one and two. Go down the list, folks. This like this is not surprising statistics here. It happens every year. You turn the ball over and you don't take the ball away. You lose games. That's just the way the league is. And if you combine that in a game where you get out game by almost 200 yards, that's how you lose by, you know, three, four scores. That's how the math gets out to the type of game the Giants played on Sunday. And, and just taking a look, Lance, I looked at some of the PFF advanced stats, and these aren't official. They still have to kind of do their cross checks on them. But just to give you an idea of some of the stuff the Giants dealt with, and then we can get to your calls at 201 939 Four, five, one, three. So the Giants, uh, Daniel Jones specifically, was pressured in this game on 46% of his dropbacks, which was the fifth highest in the league. Uh, they faced the second highest percentage of stunts of any other team in the league. 27% of the Giants' pass plays, the 49ers use stunts, which is the point I made um, a little bit earlier. And they just did not protect well enough. Um, in, in terms of that. So then if you look at the offense, the, 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 the Giants defense, excuse me. So the Giants allowed 10 pass plays of 15 or more yards. And a lot of those are run, catch and runs, by the way. Weren't, they weren't passes down the field. Yeah, yak yardage. Yeah, so that was the set, tied for second most in the league. Uh, they only applied pressure on the quarterback on 21% of the snaps, which was not a very high number. And the Giants blitzed a lot. They blitzed on 53% of their plays, which was actually ranked fairly high in the league, but they did not produce a lot of pressure off those because to our, you know, we talked about Nick Mullins heading into this game. He was going to get rid of the ball quick, Lance, and that's what they did. He wasn't hanging out there holding the ball. They ran a lot not of play all. action. They had a lot of pre-snap motion. It wasn't a lot of traditional five-step dropbacks, which is going to make it difficult for you to pressure the quarterback. And the Giants never made the Niners get off of those basic Kyle Shanahan type of plays. 
uh, over the course of the game, and the Niners are able to continue to move the ball. You never got to a point where you felt Nick Mullins was uncomfortable because, first of all, the entire second half, he played with a sizable lead. Okay, so that's a great gift for a quarterback. They didn't run the ball and pound it down the Giants' throats, but they were at least able to stick to it. The one other stat that I'll add on, and this is not a PFF stat. It's not overly complicated. John, Nick Mullins, 36 pass attempts, 35 runs. Is that not what every team (laughs) strives for, right? I mean, think about the balance. You're ideal when you are running the ball as much as you're throwing the ball. Then you look at the Giants. Daniel Jones, 32 pass attempts. They ran the ball 15 times. Why? Because they were playing catch-up. I mean, that, to me, also goes hand-in-hand. The other thing that I wanted to throw in here in terms of also allowing the Niners to be comfortable, and it somewhat stems off of the stats that you were talking about, John, it wasn't just a Darnay Holmes penalty to me. I would argue, even though the Giants had only five penalties, and I brought this up more often than not last season, the Giants were not a high-penalized team last season. But what you could argue, John, is the penalties always came at the worst possible time, that even though there wasn't a big volume, they were so costly. So outside of the Darnay Holmes penalty, you had Leonard Williams offside, and you had Dalvin Tomlinson encroachment. Both of those penalties came on second and fives that resulted in automatic first downs. Okay, so now once again, more gifts to the opposition. Then you had Darius Slayton was called for holding, which was part of two offsetting penalties because Jaquiski Tart was called for a face mask. That came on a Daniel Jones 16-yard run. You wipe that completely out in order to move the chains because of, once again, a penalty. Now, the other one was Andrew Thomas' false start. Okay, that wasn't a killer, and that was towards the end of the game. But four of the five penalties, John, you could argue, took away a first down, rewarded a first down, and the real hammer was obviously the third and 22. So not a high volume, but all at the worst possible time. No question about it. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. It's all brought to you by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. So let's go to our busy phones. I know the Giant fans are not very happy today. It's understandable. So let's get to your calls. We'll get you in throughout the case of the program. Let's go to Matt in Long Island. He will lead us off today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Matt. Good afternoon, guys. What's up, Matt? Well... I think it's uh, safe to say at this point that Dave Gettleman has not done a good enough job uh, three off-seasons he's now had uh, as the general manager here, and he'll be fired at some point or he'll step down at some point. Uh, my biggest concern about that is very much like when he was hired, you know, they, it was kind of a sham process. They interviewed one minority candidate because they had to. Wait, now time out, time out, time out. How do, how do you know it was a sham process? Besides you just well, making I'll, it up I'll in your head. It. They, okay, go ahead. They interviewed, they interviewed one candidate other than Gettleman, which was a minority candidate because they had to. Uh, other than that, they didn't interview anyone else. So it wasn't a wide cast search. Well, they basically hired the one guy they knew for well, forever. Well, that for was, one, of course he that, that, was the, that was the one reported interview. That doesn't mean they didn't actually talk to other people. You're just going by what was reported in the media. Uh, well, look, that's all we can go off of. Understood. And that's I fair. find it very, very hard to believe that other candidates were interviewed and it didn't get out there. I mean, in today's world, all that stuff gets out there. And one thing I noticed, if you listen to that throughout the offseason, uh, I think his name is Kevin Abrams. I think the assistant GM, he's a cap guy for them. His name keeps coming up. He was in on all the head coaching interviews. And they're going to do the same old crap. They're going to hire a guy from within. And it's going to be the same old song and dance here. They need 
a fresh set of eyes. If you look at like what the 49ers are doing, it's a modernized style of football. I mean, there's pre-snap movements and they have speed. You know, the Giants are just trying to like pound teams, you know, up the gut. There's no movement. There's no blocking. It's just really embarrassing to watch. You know, I'm, I'm very frustrated. I'm a season ticket holder. I got to be honest, I don't miss sitting in traffic after these games. And <laughs> good, good, good chance I don't renew the tickets. It's, it's been, it's not worth it to, to spend all the money to watch them lose. If I really want to go to a game, I could just buy the tickets on StubHub. So I hope that the, the ownership is listening. I don't want to see a guy from the, the organization hide from within. They need to think outside the box here. They're going to fire Gettleman. This is a 2-3 win team. The only positive is I know how to win my survivor pool this year. I'm just going to pick against the Giants this week. Have Thank a good day, guys. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate the call. Well, that was a jolly call to start the show. Jeez. <laughs> and by the way, folks, this is – if you want to call in and, 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 and talk about that sort of stuff, that's fine. We're not talking about what might happen to the general manager at the end of the year because there's no point in doing anything with a, with a front office personnel in the middle of the year. So we're – you know, middle of the year. It's three games exactly. into the season. Correct. <laughs> start of the year. Whatever. So yeah. if, if you guys want to call up and give your opinion on that, you can. I'm not going to stop you. It's – it's a call-in show. You're here to call in and, and give your opinion. But we, we're not going to say anything productive on that because we're, w- w- it's September. Why are we going to talk about something that yeah. may or may not happen uh, in January? So that's all I'll say about that. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He's up next. Hey, Scott. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? What's up, bud? Do right, Scott. A uh, c- couple of points. Uh, I wanted to do – both of you are very bright. Their second and third tier players were better than our first tier players. Uh, there was a guy uh, who hadn't even, I think, was called up from the practice squad or got a sack. There was a runner who had never played a down in the NFL. Well, Scott, I'm not, I'm not sure you. I, I'll, I'll do a quick little brief correction. Sure. Their, their second and third string players performed better than the Giants' first-string players. Whether they're right, more talented not, players, I don't know, but they, they, they certainly perform better. That's fair. Right. Well, and uh, and Scott, qu- before you continue, just sure. for factual standpoint, too, yes, Dion Jordan may have been called up from the practice squad. In fairness, though, that is a former first-round pick. Yes, he hasn't okay. played up to expectations, but once again, this is not Joe Schmo who they just all of a sudden brought in off the street. Okay. This guy's got quite the resume going back to his college days at Oregon. I granted, uh, but he wasn't sorry. I think San Francisco even lost two starters in the game also, so they were down about 11 players. But that's not really the, the crux of my issue. The crux of my issue is, and I think you addressed it a little bit, Lance, uh, you keep talking about execution uh, with the Giants and continuity, but the real question on the other side of the equation is there's execution on the defense and off- offensive side for San Francisco that the Giants couldn't deal with. So is it a question of simple personnel? Because the Giants do have some good players, but it, they can't execute at the proper time. So where does the fault lie? It, it also looked like Daniel Jones sort of looked like a deer, you know, a deer in headlights type of scenario where people were coming at him and he didn't know quite what to do. And those are the kinds of things after three games, because the Giants are averaging, what, 16.5 points a game now? Yeah, they haven't scored 20 points in any game. Well, Scott, once again, I I don't mean to cut you off. I I think it's a very interesting question you pose. This is just my personal opinion. When we're going to compare the Niners to the Giants, and I alluded to this earlier, when I say continuity, it's not just this long-winded response to say this is what's going on in the league. 
Kyle Shanahan has been with the Niners for the last several seasons. His staff has remained intact. The guys that they have on the practice squad, they've moved up to the regular roster. They've called right. guys up and down. The point is the scheme hasn't changed over the last few years. These guys are comfortable. The Giants, yes, are struggling for the lack of execution, but we'd be naive to say that the Giants have had multiple schemes now in a very short period of time, and the roster has turned over immensely. So if you were to ask me, how is it that the Niners can call up a lot of guys and execute to that level? Well, how much change has occurred within the Niners' front office well, and the right. coaching and staff over the last few years? And Not nearly as much as the Giants. And it's no coincidence when we talk about the Patriots, we talk about the Steelers, we talk about the Seahawks, the teams that have done well over the last few years. What is the common trait, Scott, with all of those franchises? They certainly have not changed head coaches and GMs as often as the right. Giants have, and the roster hasn't turned over that much. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that's why the Giants are struggling compared to a lot of these other franchises. But is that the only reason they're struggling? Because they do have talent, and what I'd like to see is not talent wasted. So the coaching staff, I think, has to do a better job. I know you're going to have a lot of calls, so I'm going to end it here. But I, I'd like to see a little bit more continuity from the coaching and actually development. They're going to go up against Los Angeles, who has the best defensive player in the league. And that's going to create some angst for all of the Giants players on the offensive line. What are the things that the Giants can do to change some of the patterns that they have now so that they can make a more representative team come out and play on Sunday? And that was really where I was trying to get I at. I got you. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Appreciate the call. Yep. Boy, I mean, you got to do better handling stunts and blitzes up front by the offensive line. They struggled with that immensely. Um, Daniel Jones has to protect the ball better. He's got to do better versus that pressure. Um, defensively, you got to get off the field on third downs. you got to cover better. There are way too many wide-open players. They had to miss tackles to Lance on some of those short catches that turned into runs for, for longer gains. I mean, off this game, it's a, it's a long list. But I just want to add one other thing, and this is not an excuse. And do you know how you know it's not an excuse? Because we said it a month ago, and we had fans calling up upset that we said it. Guys, the Giants' first four games— we're going to be against teams that returned all their coaches, all their coordinators, and most of their players. There wasn't much turnover. Now, the Niners, it changed a little bit because they had so many injuries. I get that. I'm not arguing that point. That's fair. But we talked about before the year how Lance, this was going to be a real tough go for the Giants in the early going here because they had new, really young team, brand new coaching staff, both sides of the ball, and you're going against teams, to your point, that have continuity, that have had the same coaches, same coordinators, same everything up and down the line over the past three or four seasons. And it's the same deal with the Rams next week who are playing really good football. And it was going to be a real tough early point of the season. And we said it on this show. We were hosting it together. I remember it like it was yesterday, Lance, in the beginning of September, that this Giants offense could look really bad in September <laughs> just because of the opponents they were playing. And the opponents matter. And... I, the reason I, we kept pointing that out and fans were getting annoyed at us was that I didn't want to get calls in week three or week four trying to blow the whole thing up, get rid of Daniel Jones, and start all over after three games. When we warned people that this was a possibility simply based on the schedule and the opponents. And if you listen to the show, this should have been something that was on your radar. There was no guarantee it was going to happen, but there were it was a dangerous situation based on the opponent how the offseason was different, 
and just the overall scenario that all NFL teams had to deal with this year. It was a disadvantage for the Giants and a smaller disadvantage for teams that had more continuity. And I think that's part of what's playing out here in the first three weeks. It's not fair to say that's everything. There's a lot of other things. Guys have to play better, execute better, all that stuff. No argument, 100%. But we talked about this being a possibility before this season started. It was a huge part of the conversation all offseason and in conjunction with also other teams. And when you look at the standings, by the way, this is not just the Giants living on their own island. And I wholeheartedly agree with you, John. The execution for the individuals needs to be held accountable as well. 100%. But when you look at the standings, hmm, okay, well, let's go to the NFC South. Carolina Panthers, complete new staff. They are one and two. Dallas Cowboys, they have Kellen Clemens still, but a lot of changes. They're one and two. Washington is one and two. Cleveland is really the only exception. Cleveland's the only team with a new coaching staff and a new head coach that has a winning record right now. Of course, and, but remember, they also got to play the Bengals, and they got to play— um, Of course. So opposition week, matters play, forget. from a contextual standpoint. No doubt about it. But the point is, continuity, if you go back to 2011, and I understand the logistics of the lockout was different, but I was raising this all offseason. The Niners were the only team in 2011 that made the playoffs with a new coaching staff where they completely revamped everything. That was the year that Jim Harbaugh came in, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator, and things clicked, and that was the year they played the Giants in the NFC Championship game. The Giants, though, that year, you had Tom Coughlin and his entire staff hanging around, okay? And yet Eli is the quarterback. And that was not necessarily a smooth sailing season. Remember, they were a 500 team until they won the final two games, but when you go back to 11, all the teams that made the playoffs, the common theme was continuity. So now you move the calendar forward. The logistics were a little bit different because this year they could communicate with their players, but they didn't have them on the field, which is different. We're starting to see the same thing at least through the first three weeks of the season. Right, which is and, why, which is also why it's ridiculous, by the way, to call up in week three and say, oh, it's guaranteed they're going to fire their general manager this year. Yeah, of course. It's ridiculous. It's the overreaction, knee-jerk reaction. We don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out, but the Giants have a lot of work to do. But, John, we said the Giants had a lot of work to do four months ago. So, once again, I understand fans are disappointed. I understand they're frustrated. I understand exactly. They should yeah, be. I get the passion, okay? Fan is short for fanatical. I understand that. But I also think people need to understand, if you look at the layout of the land with the NFL, and I get it, fans sometimes, you're very close-minded. You want to just focus on the Giants, the Giants, the Giants. But the Giants, once again, are within the National Football League. And the challenges that the Giants are dealing with are similar to what a number of other teams are dealing with within the same league. So I use that as a comparison just to shed some light on. It's not an excuse, and it's not to say that the Giants are now going to snap their fingers and everything's going to be great in three weeks. The point is, the issues that the Giants are seeing are also somewhat similar to what some other teams that have been struggling as of late are dealing with, too. Yeah, and you want to make sure you see improvement over the course of the year. And before we get back to the calls, and and Big Ed, you're next, then Sean, then Joe. The other thing we talked about this offseason, Lance, is that the key to the season was going to be the young guys on the team continuing to improve and to take a big step. That's a big thing that we talked about. Have we seen the the the, um, jumps we wanted to see from some of these younger guys. I would say we haven't seen it yet. Now, as they get more comfortable in the scheme on both sides of the ball, I think we might see that down the road, but we haven't seen it yet. And we need the the Giants need young players on this team to play better. 
and they play so many of the snaps, and they just simply have to continue to improve. We're talking about, you know, the Evan Ingrams, the Will Hernandezes, the Jabril Peppers, who he missed most of the game with injury. That's not his fault. Uh, the Julian Loves, you know, go down the list. The young guys that get all these snaps that were high draft picks, those are the guys that have to con- continue to improve and, and play better. And I don't think we've seen that jump quite yet. But again, they're learning a new scheme. They've had very little time on the field with it. So I know fans don't want to hear it, but you're going to have to be patient. And you'll call up and you'll say, well, we've been patient for three years. I don't want to wait anymore. We get it. We get it. We're not arguing with that. We understand it. We're just explaining to you the current situation and kind of what the rest of this is going to look like. Let's go to Big Ed in Maryland. What's going on, Big Ed? Hey, guys. We're we're still here. <laughs> we're still here. How are you guys doing? We're good, Big Ed. How are you? Right. Guys. Guys, guys, execution, y'all will say that, and that's understood. you say the team is young, it's understood. you say, well, we got a new coaching staff. Yep, that's understood. But I want, I want to just point out a couple of things. One thing we'll point out is something that Kyle Shanahan said. I don't care about our injuries. I don't care about none of that. If you let this team beat you because you let them beat you, that's your fault. And that's how I look at this. We let them beat us, and they beat us mentally. They didn't beat us no other way. So that's how we have to approach every game from here on out. What do you mean, Ed? That, you, Ed what do you mean that they beat the Giants mentally? They was not going to allow the Giants to beat them no matter what it was because they had a mental mindset to say, we are not losing no matter what. Hmm. All right, and yeah, but you can that. have a strong mental mindset. You still have to go out there and execute. Yeah, Ed, a bit this way. Ed, Ed, I can yeah. go out there and try to, like, cover Golden Tate and say I'm not going to get beat. Guess what? Ain't going to matter. Golden yeah. Tate's going to toast my fat butt <laughs> yeah. all over the field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just think, you know, it's execution. Everybody see it. It's, it's obvious, but I feel like it's mental. Football is 80% mental and 40% physical, and it hasn't changed. So it's like, I don't know what else to say. It's not about the general manager. He put the rest talent. See, get off of Dave Gettleman. I'm protecting Dave right now on this one. Get off of Dave. This has to be, it's like this. We go into that, we come into the facility every week to get better, to be better, to do better. So when it shows up on the field. If we don't execute right in practice, it ain't going to show up right on the field. It's no different. So, therefore, the only thing left for us to do at this point, really, we got to execute and be on the same page with the coaches. And definitely, absolutely, positively, because I ain't going to hold it up. We're going to try to talk later on this week. But if you don't make adjustments in the second half, you can't expect to win anyway. You have to have a whole different game in the second half. And – if you guys need me, the coaches need me, hey, I will be more than happy to come on up and get this thing right. I feel like I got the solution to the problem because we have been losing the first few games of the season for the last few years, and that can be extremely frustrating. And there's no excuse not to play the game right and do the best you can. See, it still comes out to that. It's not about talent. It's about execution and being on the same page. Thank you, Ed. All right, Ed. Yeah. Appreciate the call, man. Look forward to hearing from you next week, or later in the week, rather.
Well, it's also about comfort, though, within the system and the scheme, too. That's what gets you to execution. I'm going to go back to the Niners when Kyle Shanahan, once again, is able to call up Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson, who were the two main running backs yesterday because, obviously, they lost Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. The common trade is those two guys have been with the team for the last few years. McKinnon was hurt, but McKinnon was still in the meeting rooms. He was learning the system, so there was still that familiarity component. And Wilson had some big plays last season once he was called up from the practice squad. So he got valuable reps. Ross Dwelly, the tight end who came in for Jordan Reed, Dwelly's been on the team since 2018. I could go down the list, and I understand this is not the San Francisco 49ers recap show, but the reason why I differ with what Big Ed was saying, John, is I think he's making it a little bit more simplistic than we should be delving into it, meaning that the comfort of the Niners players who were called in to fill in, much different than, for example, C.J. Board. How long has C.J. Board been with the Giants? How many reps has he had with Daniel Jones? Damian Ratley, how long has he run reps where he's caught passes from Daniel Jones? Why is it that Darius Slayton has probably the best chemistry with Daniel Jones? Well, they were working with one another going back to rookie minicamp. Some of these other wide receivers they brought in have been here for a few weeks. And once again, this is not an excuse. The players still need to execute. They need to get separation. But the point is, comparing what Ross Dwelly is doing for Nick Mullins to what you expect out of Ratley and Board to do for Daniel Jones, I'm sorry. Sorry, John, that's just not on the same surface. And I'll just say this, too. When, when you lose a game the way the Giants did on Sunday, where you got outplayed and the score was as lopsided as it was, there isn't just one thing you point to, by the way. Sure. I mean, Joe Judge, the first thing he said at his post-game press conference when he finally got out there was, we have to coach him better. So, you know, this is all across the board here, man. This is players not playing well on the field. Um, the coach is getting them ready. You know, this is everything. Everybody's, Every everyone's in this together. No one escapes blame when you have a game like that, and no one's trying to escape blame. It's just that that's just the way it is, and it was a real disappointing loss, and we get it. 201-939-4513. Sean and Cherry Hill is up next. Hey, Sean. Hey, how are you guys? What's up, Sean? Go ahead. Do it right. Um, I was wondering um, if we can move forward to L.A. Because... It seems like everybody's negative at this point in time, and we got the division to look forward to as a team goes forward. Appreciate the call, my friend. And look, I I know where you're coming from on that, but this is the day after the game, so people aren't going to really be looking forward at this point. They want to talk about what happened on Sunday against the 49ers. So I get where you're coming from. But we're going to take in the 49ers, talk about it, clean our hands of it by Wednesday, and then you move on to the Rams as you start preparing for next week. But in order to beat the Rams, you have to clean up what happened yesterday. And what we're talking about now is the stuff that went wrong that you have to clean up in order to get ready and compete against the Rams. And I'm going to try to preempt this phone call, Lance, just based off of what Sean, what I think he was, what he was starting to get at there uh, before we let him go, is... I don't want to hear somebody call up and say we're just a game out of first place, please. Yeah, I don't want to hear it either. Please don't. <laughs> just just don't because my answer is going to be and until you win a game yourself, I'm not talking about who's winning a division. Right now, the division doesn't matter. The standings don't matter. What matters is getting the internal house in order. Is it a good thing for the Giants that the Cowboys and Redskins are 1-2 and two and tied for first place and the NFC East has not looked good in the first three weeks of the year? Yeah. That's a good thing for the Giants. You want, if that makes you feel better, great. 
But that doesn't matter until the Giants get their own house in order, and that's all the people in this building are worried about. If you think Joe Judge is walking in this morning feeling better about himself because the Cowboys lost to the Seahawks and the Redskins lost to the Browns, he doesn't care. He's worried about getting this team right, and that's what needs to be the focus right now, not what else is going on in the division. Well, the Giants need to take care of their own business first if they have any desire to get back into the thick of things. And the reason why I don't like having these conversations and they're tiring is just go back to 2015, John. It was the same thing. Everybody was hovering around 500 that year, if you recall. The Giants had a rough go, and they weren't mathematically eliminated. And every week, we'd field calls. Oh, well, you know, this team lost. And then every week, the Giants wouldn't take care of business. So until the Giants start winning games and handling their own, nobody should be looking at the standings. Nobody should be discussing the division. You do not win a division in the National Football League when you rely on other teams to lose to help your cause. You win the division, yep. any division, when you yourself go out, execute, and win football games. So until that happens with the Giants, it's an extremely premature and unwarranted conversation to have any discussion whatsoever about who's going to win the NFC East crown. And from October 11th to November 15th, the Giants play NFC East teams four times. Five times. Pardon me. They get the Redskins twice, the Eagles twice, and the Cowboys once. So in a span of six games, they play five NFC East teams. And that'll be it. And then you'll know. So... They'll take care of their own destiny then, whether or not they win or lose, not whether or not the other teams, when they're not playing the Giants, are winning or losing. 201-939-4513. Joe in Pennsylvania is up next. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. Uh, I, I agree with you 100%, your analysis of the game. I, I really think it turned when you said, Lance, on that third and 21, because, you know, it, we could have got the ball back and uh, drove or had a field goal or so, and that would have been the halftime, you know, uh, that change there. And then, John, when, when you said Mullen was getting rid of the ball quick and that, I, I agree. And uh, they were getting their passes out there. But then look at our receivers, our, our, our def, uh, defensive backs. They were nowhere in sight on these guys. And they were all these young quarterbacks that they brought in, their second stringers or so, they were all over our receivers. There wasn't a, a chance, you know, to throw the ball for Jones that that they weren't on top of him, you know. He was under a lot of pressure. So uh, we, I think our offensive line definitely, I'd, I'd have them guys in the classroom and be drilling them and drilling them. They wouldn't get out in the field unless they knew who they had to pick up. That, that, would, that really burns me, you know, these stunts and stuff, you know. You, you can't, if you don't know your assignments, then – there's no way you have a chance out there, you know. That's that's a big thing, and you could see they were the Niners were like the varsity, and uh, we were like freshmen up against them, you know. And uh, it, it takes time, but you know we, we just we we need time. We got it starts in the offense and defensive lines, really and truly, where they're strong, you know, and they they know their assignments and. Uh, you know, that's that's the main thing there, I really think. So uh, it, it's going to take time. That's why I hate it. I didn't even want to give out, uh, you know what I mean, what we, what our record would be this year. You know, it, there's too many things to look upon. Is there a, a chance our uh, safety who got hurt, McKinney, I think that's his name, He's not eligible this week if he's okay, is he? Well, I mean, he, he, he is eligible to return, and, and Joe, thanks a lot for the call. He is eligible to return. But, I mean, based on the injury that he had, I don't think that's going to happen. 
I think that's going to be a few more weeks, end of October, beginning of November, simply based on the history of players that suffered that injury. They could use him, though, and I think we'll have to keep an eye on Jabril Peppers this week, too, Lance. He injured his ankle on that special teams yeah. play. I think it was a field goal block, if I remember it right. It was. It was on the first field goal attempt for the Niners. Yeah, early yeah. in that game with an ankle, he never returned. So that's something we have to keep an eye on this week against the Rams team that is going to be has been playing some good football. Yeah, McKinney, you look at Derwin James, who had a similar injury, and he wound up missing more than the first half of the season last year. He was three months, right? He was three months, right? Yeah. He was three months. And then Debo Samuel, the Niners wide receiver who did not play, who they're hoping to maybe get back week five. Now, he got hurt earlier this offseason than McKinney, but, you know, he has yet to return. So, I mean, that timeline, just to give you an idea, be very surprising. And plus, the first step is going to be McKinney also, when you take a guy off of IR— before you even do that, John, normally you build up to that by getting him back on the practice field. Yep. And that hasn't even started yet. So the first indication of McKinney having any hopes of getting back out there would be obviously him getting back out on the practice field. And that hasn't started. The clock hasn't begun on that. All right, let's go back to the phone to 201-939-4513. It's all presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Chris in New Jersey is up next. Hey, Chris. Hey, thanks for taking my call, John Lance. Hey, appreciate you John, calling in, Chris. What's hey, up? You know, there's so many ways to go with this. The one part I've been frustrated for so many years, and I'm tired of it, is this one-dimensional offense. And I really specifically now, in terms of, of the way they run the ball. I mean, when the Giants ran the ball, going back to Tiki Barber, and even before that, um, even after that, with Bradshaw and, and uh, Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs. Jacobs. You know, yeah, we, we well, the Giants have had a fullback. Eli Penny is a waste of a roster spot, okay? I mean, you look back, Hanoski, Hedgecock, Jim Finn, Greg Camella, even going back to Maurice Carthon. And I know Garrett, going back to his Cowboy days, he doesn't use a fullback, and, and that's part of the reason why now we don't have a real traditional fullback. I, I feel like this, this running game, everything goes on Jones because he, we can't run the ball. I mean, I know Barkley's out, and even two years ago when you had Flowers and guys like Bobby Hart in there, it, it was all made up by Barkley, those yards. And now... I feel like more than ever, we need a real fullback. There's only a handful of teams in the NFL that carry a fullback. So there are guys probably out there available. But I feel like, once again, this team cannot run the ball. A fullback is a major issue, a traditional fullback. Joe, Joe Judge, who I like, in his original press conference, stressed old-school football and how we're going to run the ball and pound it, and we're going back to old-school. Well, old-school football, to me, is having a real fullback. The second issue I have is the offensive line. We've done changes and i know you guys have brought it up before we've 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 drafted we've mixed and matched but the one sore that i constantly see is that center position that has not truly been addressed in the in the draft jalapeno was was roll the dice right pulley off off waivers to fill in for jalapeno and nick gates who, who i like was thrown in there this year without any prior experience and i just don't understand why that center position has not been addressed like the rest of the line they call it the anchor of the line for a reason right we just have not addressed that center position i want to say going back to david boss and even he was he was he was good and he'd be a hell of a lot better than we have now. But that's been how long it's been. Actually, Weston Richburg was drafted, and he was decent, who ironically, you know, with the Niners now. But I, I'd though, even yeah. take a guy, like, uh, a, a guy like him. So, anyway, I'll take it off the air. But those are my two frustrations, the center position and the use of a fullback. I appreciate Thanks, it, guys. Chris. Thanks for the call, right, I Look, I, I get fans like the fullback. I do. I don't think that's the difference here. I think that's maybe window dressing is the wrong word, Lance. But I think that's, you know— 
not the reason why the running game's not working. I, you know, if you go, you bring Madison Hitchcock off the farm and you bring him back in here and you put him in there as a lead blocker, <laughs> I, I don't think anything's changing. I, I think the offensive line's going to have to block better because we've seen them try a bunch of different running backs now, right? They've had four different guys that have tried to run the ball and nothing's changed. So I think it's a matter of getting more room in the running game in, in terms of blocking. So to me, that is not... For me, I don't think that's a difference-making deal here, whether or not there's a fullback on the field or not. I really don't. And I would agree with you. Well, first of all, when Saquon was healthy, and I pointed this out, I think, last week or maybe two weeks ago, the Giants weren't running the ball effectively even when you had Saquon, who more often than not is able to make something out of nothing. And I just think that that's been a common trait no matter what running back as you hit on John, has been out on the field. He also, remember, going back to week one against the Steelers, was getting hit just as Daniel Jones was handing him the ball. So are you going to say, well, the fullback there is going to be able to pick up the extra guy? Perhaps, but once again, and I said this also throughout the offseason, Jason Garrett used his fullback on 10% of the offensive snaps last season. You'd have to go back to when Daryl Johnston, Moose, okay, Johnston, was on the Cowboys the last time that Dallas really employed a fullback to help Emmett Smith run from the backfield. Ever since Jason Garrett was the head coach, they've had a fullback on the roster, but they have not employed that fullback a lot. Now, the Niners, for example, John, they have Kyle Juszczyk, who is not even, I would argue, a traditional fullback because Juszczyk they utilize as a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. There was a play they ran yesterday where Juszczyk was lined up as the fullback and they were trying to make you think he was the lead blocker and then he went out and he ran a route. So it's not just having the fullback as the lead blocker. If you're going to have the fullback, it's also, I would argue, how do you utilize the fullback to maybe keep the defense guessing? It's not just having the guy that's going to pave the way for the running back. It's also the creativity in which you utilize the fullback. That's another element of having that position on the roster. Yeah, no question about it. And look, we're looking at the tape every week. I don't see center as, as as big of an issue. I mean, has has Nick Gates played like a like an all pro at the position? No, but I, it hasn't been to me a sore thumb. And I, I think at times last year we did see where the center position was was a sore thumb from in a couple of games during the year. I haven't seen Nick Gates been a huge huge issue, especially since that first game against Pittsburgh when he did get pushed into the backfield a couple times. But yeah, look, since Weston Richburg, they haven't expended you know, premium resources on a center. I mean, that's a fact. That's something we can't argue with. And we'll see if Nick Gates, who again, just hasn't had a lot of snaps at the position in live action. It's going to take him some time if he's going to become a really good player at the spot. It's probably going to take him some games to get there, Lance. So I know fans don't want to hear wait and see, but at this point, I don't think there's really much else we can say. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. We're trying to go rapid fire to get as many of you guys in as we can. Let's go to Rick in Long Island. He's up next. Hey, Rick. Hey, Lance and John, how you guys doing today? What's up, bud? Doing all right. What do you got? Um, real quick, on the on the fullback comment, um, guys like Juszczyk and Sherman and, and Picard or Ricard, whichever it is, I forget, and yeah, Devlin on New England, these guys don't grow on trees. You could, you could talk about wanting a good fullback all you want. That's like the four guys I just named. Tell me who else is on their level in the NFL. No, that's fair. Maybe one more. Yeah, no, you're so right. They, they, you don't want to be because be college doesn't use them anymore. So if people aren't using them in college, you're just not going to develop them to play the position in the pros. Yeah, fullbacks yeah, are antiques, essentially, at this point. You know? Yeah, um, we're with you. Um, just, I'm, I'm trying not to beat everybody up. Everybody's calling in. Just I get it, you know, 30, 36, 9. It's, you know, it's a punch in the mouth. But, you know, chill out, everybody. You, 
You know what I mean? Um, I like what I'm starting to see from the offensive line as far as cohesion. You're not really going to see what this line is, barring any injuries, until like six to eight weeks in. Um, you know, people like to go back and talk about like 07 and like, don't, don't bring that up. You had three repeat linemen in the second Super Bowl. We won an 11. The, the cohesion doesn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? They filled in a good veteran and boss at that time and, you know, drafted Beatty and they were good to go. You got to let these guys play together for a while to see what they really are. Um, I like some of the pass offs on all the stunting you guys were talking about. Um, quite a few times I saw the right guys pick up the right guys and they, they formed a nice wall. And Daniel Jones is sitting back there with the ball and just, you know, I had nowhere to go. But I, you know, I, I don't want to beat him up too bad. Um, and then on, on defense, I mean, I would, I would say even though they got blown out, they really got blown out more by the 40 minutes of possession time and, and us handing the ball back to them through the whole game and, and the defense being on the field so much, I think. No preseason, limited training camp. I just don't think guys were conditioned. I don't think even with that stuff, sometimes guys can be conditioned to go that long. Uh, anyway, so our offense really didn't do them any favors, um, you know. And then if I had to, you know, nitpick, I'd say, you know, watch that game again and see see how the defense started to move without Peppers in the in the lineup. Um, you know, it, you, you see different things out of out of uh, what looked like Love and um, and and Logan uh, Logan Ryan playing playing deep off the ball and stuff. And like you know, they they weren't really able to kind of do what they wanted to do, you know, like they would with Peppers in there. So I think that affected the game a little bit, too. Um, I love Martinez. Great signing. I wish we had somebody um, maybe more of an off-ball linebacker, not a tackler, more of like a coverage guy to, to be playing where Downs is playing. Other than that, I mean, I think we got a good front seven, and I think you're, you're really missing, you know, another boundary corner. Um, and I wouldn't even beat a, beat a Bradbury too bad. Uh, I think Ayuk you know, is fast as hell. And if you can't get to the quarterback, I don't care who's back there. When he's sitting back there and his fastest guy's running across the field at the time, he's probably going to get open after five, six seconds. Um, that's it. I'll take your responses off the air. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the call, man. Well, especially when you're not jamming the guy at the line of scrimmage, you give Brandon Ayuka free release. Yeah, good luck. And that's what happened on that crossing route where Bradbury was just a, a slight step behind him. He, he tried to dive to get a deflection. Unfortunately, he did not. But Bradbury's been a huge bright spot on defense, okay? Let's at least, you know, put things in perspective. We're talking about a guy that has, what, seven passes defensed over the first three games, leads the NFL? Well, Lance, I think he's probably been the best player in the team the first three games, right? 100%. I would wholeheartedly agree with that, and then some. So, to me... If we're going to focus on the secondary, and I would agree with Rick, I think uh, the loss of Peppers certainly probably changed completely the dynamics and the game plan of the defense when you lose a guy that early. There's no doubt about it. But getting back to the cornerback position, yeah, right now, the guy opposite Bradbury is a question mark. Corey Ballantyne was there to start. Now we're seeing Isaac Yadam. And, you know, it's going to be, as I've been saying for the last few weeks, Patrick Graham's still getting a feel for some of these guys because... He didn't have Yadam for all of training camp. He joined the roster right before they finalized things. And I think right now he's trying to understand, okay, who can I rely on on the outside? I'm using Holmes a little bit on the inside. And sometimes that takes a few weeks. But right now, absolutely, you want that consistent compliment to James Bradbury. John, what have we talked about year in and year out? And <laughs> I know I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to continue to go back to that 2016 playoff game, okay, since we're reminiscing a lot throughout this show. And what happens when DRC got hurt against the Green Bay? Packers. Aaron Rodgers said, I am going to attack the guy coming in to replace DRC. You need three corners in the NFL. Hell, you need four, okay? Let's face it, because the fourth guy, you want to be confident that when one of your top three guys goes down, you have somebody else that's versatile to step in. 
you need it. And right now, the Giants have Bradbury, but outside of Bradbury, it's a work in progress. No question. All right, Lance, we got three callers. We got five minutes. Let's squeeze them all in. We'll continue our rapid-fire order here as we continue on on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Let's go to Kevin in Philadelphia. He's up next. Hey, Kevin. Hey, guys. Uh, no, we're in a hurry here, but I thought Carl Banks made some very astute comments when he talked about dialing down the expectations uh, for what we're going to see this year. And I, and I got to tell you, as somebody who's seen Giants uh, cycle through some bad patches in the 60s, the 70s, and the 90s in particular, this is eerily reminiscent. So it's, you know, four to five years of just uh, really underperforming ball, uh, lots of things that are not working well. And the biggest fear is that you get into this flailing mode where you think you can just start throwing Band-Aids at things. Uh, so I think patience and dialing down the expectations, and let's see what we got here. Let some of these guys grow. I think you referenced that appropriately. It's not a happy outcome. We're, you know, frustrated with what we're seeing. But the reality is we got to dance with the one we brought, and this is who we brought. We're with you, Kevin. Thanks yeah. a lot for the call. And, look, I think we, we kind of made the point. I, mean, I think we were asked, Lance, I'm not sure if I was on with you or somebody else, what would be a successful season. And the point that I made is that, look, I want to see this team playing much better football in December than they were in September. And if you look at the way the team plays in December and you say, well, if we played this way all year long, maybe we could have been a, around a 500 team. So – that's kind of what we said before the season, and if you can approach the 500 mark, I think that would be really, really nice. But we also point that out a million times. The first part of the schedule is going to be really hard against teams that have continuity and bring back all their you know, coordinators and coaches, a lot of their players. It was going to be a real tough start of the year based on those factors, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Well, it goes back to what you and I have delved into all offseason. And, you know, this is not a show to pat ourselves on the back, but we knew the Giants were up against huge obstacles compared to other teams. And, you know, you're talking about a roster where 26 of the 53 guys are entering their third year or less. There's a lot of youth, a lot of new faces. And even if you compare this roster, John, to the 2017 roster, it's night and day, okay? And compared to the Niners in terms of their continuity. So, yes, the individual development is a big part of determining how effective this season is as opposed to maybe the entire team results. But, you know, I'm also thinking about it, and once again, I don't like doing this, but I remember, John, you and I had a conversation with Len, who is one of our very popular callers, before the Steelers game. And we were going back and forth about, you know, well, why are you guys not, you know, high on their chances of beating up Pittsburgh and so forth? It's because we've been telling you all offseason, the youth and the lack of continuity for this team compared to others, it's not making light of things. That's the reality of the NFL. So, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. It's just if people were having these dreams of grandeur, my question to you is, are you watching what's going on in the NFL right now? Simple as that. 201-939-4513. It's all brought to you by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Anthony, New Jersey's up next. Hey, Ant. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, long-time listener, but a first-time caller. Thanks for calling um, in, man. Thank you. Uh we, I think we have to talk about Dave Gettleman here. I, I just don't understand the people that advocate to keep this guy. Uh, I know he's a longtime giant, but this is a bottom five roster. Let's not – anybody slice it. It's a bottom five roster in the NFL. I know they're young, uh, but he does not understand value. And, and it goes back, and I hate to say this, and I hate to step on him when he's down, but the Saquon Barkley move. Saquon Barkley was a luxury for a team that was good. 
we were picking number two because we were terrible, and we could have walked away with three to four picks, you know, from that number two spot because they weren't sold on any particular quarterback in that class. Then the Leonard Williams trade makes zero sense. Leonard Williams is a good player. He's actually played pretty well this year. But he was an impending free agent on a team that was bad. You know, on a team that was bad, and we were a team that was bad, and we traded a third and a fifth-round pick for him. How did that make any sense? I'm not sure. All right, Ant. Appreciate the call, my friend. Um, and again, we had the call earlier on, on the general manager. And guys, we're going to have a judgment on what this roster looks like and how they're playing at the end of the year. Again, talking about that sort of stuff in week three doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And that's just kind of where we are with that. And making those sort of determinations now is just very, very premature. We have a long time. If you guys want to call in later in the season, again, if you want to call and make the comment now, you can. We're not going to stop you. Uh, we welcome all callers, of course. But making those types of calls, Lance, this early in the season just doesn't make any sense because changing a general manager in week three doesn't do anything for you. It's not going to affect what's going on on the field. It's not going to affect anything. So having those conversations now does doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, well, we said that earlier. The yes. only other thing that I'll briefly add is, you know, Barkley's hurt, and it's unfortunate. So, you know, I'm sure that adds fuel to the fire in terms of when you go back and you evaluate the draft, but that shouldn't take away from the playmaker he is. And I don't like having the conversations about, well, you could have had this guy. Even if you want to have the conversation about you could have had Quentin Nelson. Is Quentin Nelson alone going to solve all of the other issues, John, that we're right. talking about with respect to this Giants roster right now? You're going to tell me one offensive lineman, you snap your fingers, and everything else is great? Yeah, and look, the problem goes back to deeper than that. And we talked about it. Heading into when Dave Gettleman got hired, the roster was bereft of depth. Uh, they just simply hadn't drafted well in the mid-rounds the years prior to that. We've talked yeah. about you know, the, how many first-round picks have gotten second contracts and draft picks have gotten second contracts. It's something that dates back. And when you kind of are starting from almost base zero with the roster, it takes a while to build up. And I know some fans will complain, well, you had Snacks and Olivia Vernon and Janoris Jenkins. Uh, Snacks is out of the league. Did you see Janoris Jenkins play yesterday? <laughs> uh, Olivier Vernon can't stay healthy with the Browns. And then the only other player in the mix is Odell Beckham Jr., who's been a disappointment since the Browns acquired him. So you put all those things together. Are any of those players that I know fans were at some point upset that the Giants let go, are they changing their current situation in 2020 with where the Giants are? I don't think so. Do you? Well, also, if you still have those guys on the roster, forget some of the other free agent additions. You got no money left at that point. Yeah, John like too. no, no Blake Martinez, no James yeah, Bradbury. I mean, go down the list. Yeah. So, two hundred one nine. The dynamics. I don't mean to cut you off, John. No, that's fine. Just real quickly, the, your point is well taken because that's why I don't like having the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. Because if you tell me you draft another player or you tell me you keep a free agent, you also need to account for well anybody that you're high on. For example, is James Bradbury, John, on this roster right now? If you retain one of those few names you just talked about, it's a great question. Two hundred one nine three nine four five one three. Wrap up the show with Lance's best friend. Hi, Chuckles. Please. Oh, Hey, Lance and John. Hey, I, I had a question for you guys. Mm -hmm. Remember? I said, if we got blown out by San Francisco, would you say we were a bad team? And I want to know, John, are we a bad team? Lance, are we a bad team right at this Charlie, moment? Charlie, the, the Giants played like a bad team on Sunday. Okay, thank you, John. How about you, Lance? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I don't even think it has to be said. No, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... All you don't right. need reinforcement right. from that standpoint. And, and by Charlie. by the way, I I bet when Joe Judge gets on the conference call today, he'll say something very very similar. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is that <clears throat> I look this coaching staff and this GM has made decisions 
that has affected this roster. For one, starting a guy at center who's never played it, bringing in a swing tackle who has never been a starter in this league, and then... Surely that's what swing tackles are by, by definition. <laughs> are guys that aren't starters. That's what swing tackles that's are. That's right, and he shouldn't be a starter. That's what I'm saying. These, so then who should be the starter then? Yeah, but Charlie, he wouldn't have been the starter if they'd sold it and opt out. Yeah. Yeah, well, he did opt out, and they knew he opt out, and they should have made some plans for that. I would have kept Gates at right tackle, and I would have brought in a real center. But not only that, remember, you know, we cut Ryan Conley because we wanted to keep this guy down. Did you see him play yesterday? He hasn't got a clue of what he's supposed to be doing. You know, we have the same You look at one play, and you make that decision. Okay. No, there was more than that. Mm -hmm. He can't – we can't get off on third down to save our life. That's been our defense for the last three or four years. Charlie, 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 I have a secret for you. Do you know that Devontae Downs doesn't play on third downs? I know. I'm I'm talking about him being even on the roster and letting somebody like Conley go. But I'm also saying that we got the same defense that we've had. We've given up a touchdown. With just before the half, every game we've played, we've played three games. And the other thing, the biggest problem on this team, and I know you don't want to hear it, is Daniel Jones. He had a horrible game, worse than usual. His accuracy was horrible. And we talked he about that earlier. And the times. turnovers has been an issue too, Charlie. We haven't avoided That's those right. subjects. What have we been talking about? What I love about you is you make it sound like we've never brought up these subjects on any program. I'm All offseason, we've been talking I'm about minus 17 turnover differential Lance. last season. Talked about that. He's Daniel gone. Jones I'm had 23 turnovers. Question. All of those stats are out there. What do you think? We've been covering it up? Window dressing? I mean, it, it's amazing question, to listen Lance. to you every week. You call up. So what have is we been Daniel saying? We've been saying Jones Daniel Jones has been holding on to the football every single game. He's the best quarterback Lance. in the NFL. You should be putting him number one in the rankings. Have those words come out of my mouth or you John's mouth? I mean, can we have at least a fair land. conversation for you once, Charlie? It. It's getting old with you. You won't answer it. John, is is he our franchise quarterback? Charlie, we don't know yet. And I said the same thing before the year. You don't know yet? No, you we don't, don't know well, what. you're going to wait until we're 0 and 10 Charlie, by the Charlie, that's where we're headed. Charlie, They're why? Charlie, answer my question. Why do you need to make okay. that? De- why, why do you have to make that decision now? Because it's so obvious. Charlie, 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 if you make that decision now, what do you do? You bring in Colt McCoy, who can manage the game. And <laughs> yes, might because get a couple that's going to okay, Charlie. Yeah, because that's going to be the, the long term answer for this it. franchise. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's Charlie. Silly. By that's the way, silly. Charlie, Charlie, are you aware of how many starts Daniel Jones has made up to this point? Not even a full season. He's just at a full season. I mean, that, that's pretty. That's where he's at. No, he's a so 15, you're, you're right? ready to determine the outlook of a quarterback. And I'm not saying that we know anything at this point, but you're really going to make that declaration after this small of a sample size? He's played Seriously? In, he's played in 16 games and has made 15 starts. That's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah. And here's the beauty of it, folks. You can call in and say, well, I don't think Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback. Okay. Then other people say, well, I think he is the franchise quarterback. Okay. Well, here's the thing, folks. No one needs to make that decision until we get to January. And by the way, we might not have to make that decision in January either. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. The same reason you guys call up and ask the Dave Gettleman question. You don't have to make those decisions now. So why are you going to possibly make a decision on a small sample size of three games after an offseason that's been unprecedented at the NFL when you don't have to? Get more information first. 
See where you are after 16 games. You might look at this team a lot differently after 16 games than you look at them after three. Now, you might look at them the same way. And then make the decision you want to make after 16 games. Okay, fine. Go ahead. But why are we making these big long-term decisions after three games, after an offseason that we talked about was something that was going to make it very difficult for the Giants, especially based on their early season opponents? Why are we making these decisions after three games, Lance? That doesn't make any sense. Keep preaching, John. I don't understand the knee-jerk reaction. Then again, Charlie lives on his own island, so I guess I'm not that surprised. We warned you this could happen! We told you for, like, we are on the show dying of things to talk about from June to September. We said the same things every day for three months. Three months. Well, and, and you know what? I want to get something off my chest because what irritates me is, you know, between some of the Twitter chat and everything, John and I and anybody else on this show, okay, and I'm not going to put words in the mouth, but to sell a narrative that we were crowning this team and telling you that this team was going to win 10 games we and win fans, the NFC East we had fans is, is horse manure. Horse manure with a capital H and a capital M. And I'm getting irritated, okay? Because I want to make this very clear. If anybody wants to tweet at me or say that we were crowning this team, you give me the proof. You give me a show where that word came out of my mouth that we were crowning this team. We said this team had a lot of work to do. We said there wasn't continuity. We said that there was youth, okay? Those were the expectations we laid out. So if anybody else wants to live on their own island in dreams of grandeur, then you can live in that reality. I'm living in the reality that I know the words that came out of my mouth. I know what John said on this program, and I'm not going to deal with people saying anything else was set forth with respect to this program. And by the way, Lance, Jeff and Paul weren't quite crowning the team either. Nobody was. Yeah. Nobody was. And we, we had fans calling up mad at us that we weren't more positive about the team. Exactly. So, look, folks, I know it's disappointing. I know you're frustrated and that we're here to take your calls. I'm taking all of them. Notice, we let all you guys go today. We didn't cut anybody off. We let you go. We get it. You're mad. That's why we're here. We're here to take calls and understand your frustration. But I like to think we prepared you for this possibility before the year because we talked about it. All right? And this is not us patting ourselves on the back, but again, it's not excuses. It's reasons. And when we tell you before the fact that something might happen and give you the reasons and then repeat that after the fact— that's not making an excuse when we said it could have happened before we even played the games. That's not an excuse. That's a reason. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Lance, good stuff, my friend. Absolutely. And you get more of Lance Meadow tomorrow with Paul Dottino on Big Blue Kickoff Live. <laughs> Charlie, call back. I'm sure it'll be great. Thanks for oh, being Troy. with us. It was that, If that's not a tease, I don't know what is. It was all presented by the New York Lottery. Make sure you get out there and play. For Lance Meadow, thanks for being with us. I'm John Schmelk. We're back tomorrow at noon on... Another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you then. Have a good one, everybody.